Well, good morning. Hey, as our offering is passed, I, I want to just let you all know about a couple of things that are happening next Sunday that may be of some interest to you. Uh, the first one has to do with baptism. So on April the 8th, we're going to have our next baptism service. It'll be a part of our Sunday morning worship services on April the 8th. But in preparation for that, we're going to be having baptism classes next Sunday for those who are interested in either finding out more about baptism or in being baptized. And uh, those classes will be in a variety of locations. For children at 945 in the lodge in our children's building, there'll be a class for those up to fifth grade. Um, for students, 6th through 12th grade at 11 o'clock in the Avenue, which is where our high school ministry meets, there will be uh, a, a baptism class for them. And for adults, those post-high school, uh, we'll have a baptism class at 945 in room 1 next week. And all that information is in your bulletin and online. But we would love to have, if you're interested in baptism, for you to, to take that step. Also, just wanted to remind everybody, we... Uh, talked about this last week, but next Sunday we're going to have the chance to hear more of what God is doing in the nation of Iran as we'll be hosting some members of a ministry called Elam here at Wildwood and they will be sharing with us some of what God is doing in that region of the world um, and it will include an Iranian pastor. So we would love to have you with us uh, next Sunday as we will be hearing more about that. But as we gather here today, we're going to be concluding a series that we began several weeks ago called Relationship Status. And inside of this series, we have sought to find a biblical perspective from single to married and several questions in between. So three weeks ago, I talked about singleness from a biblical perspective. Two weeks ago, Pastor Bruce talked about marriage from a biblical perspective. And then last week, we asked and answered a number of different questions kind of in between. Well, today we're going to wrap up this series by talking what I would call a third option. And it's, a, it's an option for growth inside of your marriage. Now, where does this idea of a third option come from? What is the concept behind this? Well, um, as a pastor, I've had just this incredible privilege over the last 20 years serving in churches to be with people in some of their most vulnerable times, times of birth and death of diagnosis and of surgery, of disaster and of recovery, of marriage, and sadly, times on the brink of or on the other side of divorce. And and as I've had this privilege of being close to people in these moments of their life, I've noticed that for those that find themselves on the brink of divorce or just past it, that oftentimes there is some similarities inside of their story. Um, The specifics might be different, but there also are some similarities inside of their story. And the similarities really would go uh, something like this. For a while, there were issues inside of the marriage uh, that were possibly unaddressed, that that went on for a while, and then blank happened. And, And insert into the blank... Whatever the awful circumstance you can imagine, the affair, the the addiction to pornography is discovered, the addiction to substance abuse, the mismanagement of money, whatever it is, the blank happened. And then after blank happens, this, this couple is left with trying to determine what to do next. And oftentimes, when I talk to couples who are in the midst of this scenario, they think that they have two options. Option one Stay married and be miserable. Be in a marriage that they don't want, filled with pain and without hope. Or option two, divorce 
and find some hope again. Uh, This is often the two options that people consider. And one of the things that that I've I've, I've found as I've interacted with people is often they haven't considered a third option. And that third option is this, to have the marriage they want with the person that they committed to. In order for that third option to be a reality, it requires change and growth, which is slow and hard. And yet, in Christ, it's possible. And what I want us to do this morning is we're going to talk about this this third option of growth inside of your marriage. And and, and even as I do that, I want to just make this disclaimer. I know as I say this that there are, are, are many in our midst today who have already gone through this thing of divorce. And you're going to be tempted in the midst of this to want to go back and do an autopsy on your past. And, and there's, there's some, maybe there, there's some, some health in that for you. But here's what, I, what our challenge is. I, the intention of this message today is for us looking forward, not backwards. It's for us to think about the situation that we're in now or the situations that God will bring to us in the future. And it's really a, a challenge or an encouragement to see God do something great in our lives and in our marriage today and tomorrow, not necessarily looking back to the past. I mean, it may be that, that in response to this message, God brings reconciliation between a couple that is already divorced. But most likely, this will be an opportunity for you looking forward. And so I encourage all of us to have that perspective as we look at God's Word today, to see the reality of a third option inside of our marriages. And that is this option for growth, the marriage we want with the person that we've committed to. This morning, as we do this, we're going to see four things from God's Word. And, And though we're talking about marriage, let me just also say this. The principles we're going to talk about today are are true for Christians dealing with sin. And so at one level, they're relevant to everybody, even those who feel the the Lord is leading them to be single for the rest of their life, or those who find themselves in singleness at this current stage of their life. These principles of growth and life change apply across the board, though we will be using marriage as a specific example today. So what do we see inside of God's Word? The first thing I want us to see is this. God's call and our commitment is higher than we knew. God's call and our commitment is higher than we knew. Now let's think about this in light of marriage. What is God's call for marriage? Is it a high call or a low call? Well, you're like, hey, obviously you're asking the question, you put it up there, you think it's a high call. Well, I think it's a high call because I think that God thinks that the call of marriage is a high call. And we see that in a number of different places inside of Scripture, but one of them we see it in is in Matthew chapter 19. This is a passage that we looked at a little bit last Sunday, um, but I want to look specifically at verses 10 and 11 today. See, in this context, uh, some people come to Jesus, including his disciples, but also some others who were, who were gathered around, and they, they come up to him and they ask him a question about marriage. They ask him a question about divorce. And as they ask the question, they reveal their heart or attitude towards marriage, which is fairly either middle or low. And in Jesus' response, he raises the bar, or actually clarifies how high the bar already was. Jesus says, I am pro-marriage, I am for marriage, I have a very high view of marriage. That's what Jesus says in his response. 
Well, after Jesus says that, what do his disciples say? They, they raise their hand and they say, uh, uh, um, Jesus, verse 10, if such is the case of a man with his wife, it's better not to marry. In other words, your view of marriage is so high, I don't think I can do it. I think it's absolutely beyond me. But then Jesus said to them, not everyone can receive this saying, but for only those for whom it is given. In other words, it's still God's good and best for many, but you're right, the call is higher than you thought. It's higher than we knew. Ephesians chapter 5 and verses 22 through 25, very famous verses. Paul talks about marriage and he also, it's a very high bar. He says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Did Paul have a high view of marriage? The highest, right? What's his comp? What's his comparison? It's Christ and the church. It doesn't get any higher than that. The call is very high. Now, not only is God's call for marriage very high, but even in our world, our commitments to marriage are very high. You know, when a couple gets married, think about the vows that they exchange. They go back and forth and they, they say, in sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer, in, in good times and in bad, basically, no matter what happens, I am committed to you. That's the idea. You know, when, when we, uh, I've had the privilege of being a part of over 100 weddings in the last you know, 20 years. And, and as I've been a part of those weddings, I, there's something that I've always done. I've, I've printed off their marriage ceremony and I've given it to the, the bride and groom early because I want them to see their vows. Why is that? Because I don't think you should commit to something that you don't know what it says, right? You ought to read the fine print before you get married. And so I want them to see the vows that they are committing themselves to. And so they, they stand there in front of me. And several of you in this room, I've had the privilege of, of standing this close to you in that moment of your life. And they'll say back and forth to each other this, this high commitment. It's very, very high. But here's the thing, friends. Even though we know the Bible has a very high view of marriage, and even though we realize that when we exchange our, our marriage vows that we committed to a very high standard, even though those things are true, do you realize that they're even higher than we thought? Aren't they? Because when we read it in Scripture and when we declare it at our wedding day, our understanding of what that really means is, is really small. It's, it's all hypothetical at that point. For richer or poorer. Yeah, you can say that there. you got a whole room full of gifts waiting for you in the other, in the other area. But what happens when the checking account hits zero? It's all hypothetical at that point. You know, in, in good times and in bad. Well, it's your best day, right? It's all hypothetical. It's all in front of you. We, we, we talk often in the vows about forgiveness. But you haven't, you know, you've already kind of come to terms with everything in the past, but all the sins that you have to forgive going forward, they've yet to be committed. You see, over time in marriage, God's call goes from hypothetical to real. And our understanding of how great that is gets bigger and bigger and bigger. The call has always been high, but our understanding of it is always increasing. So you see that in this line. Our understanding of his call goes higher and higher. 
Now, that would be a load, right? Just to hear that, that's, that's kind of a load. But, but guess what? The news gets a little bit worse. And it gets a little bit worse in, in this regard. You know, our ability is worse than we knew. Our ability is worse than we knew. Um, you know, uh, a couple of weeks ago when Bruce talked about marriage, he, he had this great quote. It was a quote I like so much, I'm going to use it again. Okay, and it's from Gary and Betsy Ricucci. It says, one of the best wedding gifts that God gave you was a full-length mirror called your spouse. Had there been a card attached, it would have said, here's to helping you discover what you're really like. And I, just, I love that quote because it's just so true, right? When we live in close proximity, I mean, think about this. If you are, are living alone, you can have one view of yourself as being selfless if you're living alone. But get a roommate and find out how selfless you are. Get married. Have a child. The closer we are in context relationally, the more aware we become of our shortcomings. You know, I, I've, I've found out in marriage that I'm worse than I thought. Right? I'm a worse leader than I thought. I, I'm, I'm a worse conflict resolver than I thought. I'm more selfish than I thought. Hopefully some of you can agree with this, and I'm not alone in this room, right? But we find this in the context of relationships. And, you know, this, this didn't originate with us. It goes all the way back to the very first people. You know, in Genesis chapter 3, paradise, Adam and Eve, and they sin. What happens next? Genesis chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. It says, Then the eyes of Adam and Eve were opened after they sinned. And they knew that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves loincloths. And when they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. What did they immediately want to do when they were found out? They immediately wanted to hide from each other and from God. And so they hid behind what they could find, which was some fig leaves. Now, how much do fig leaves cover? I don't know. Don't go too far with that. I'm just saying that it probably wasn't all that effective. And how effective was it to hide from God? Not very effective. But that's what we want to do. But in the closer we are in context relationally, the harder it is for us to hide. And so while God's call is higher than we knew, our understanding of our ability is worse than we thought. And over time, those things are both increasing, aren't they? Now, I've always been the sinner that I am. And God has, in his call, have always been holy and great. But my experiential understanding of those two things are both increasing inside of the context of my marriage. Now, if we just stop the message right now, you would hate me. Because what would we done? We said, the call is high. And we're not able. So throw in the towel. And you know what, friends? That's what many people do as it relates to marriage. That they come to a conference, they come to an event, they read a book, they see the call is high, they look at themselves, they look at their spouse, and they say, we're not able, and they want to throw in the towel. Let me just offer a parallel for just a moment. When you became aware of the fact that God was holy and perfect, and you became aware of the fact that you were sinful. What was it 
that bridged the gap and gave you hope for eternity? What was it? You can say it out loud. Jesus and the cross, right? The cross bridges that gap. And guess what? Over time, as we become more aware of our sin, as we become more aware of God's greatness, guess what also becomes greater from our perspective? It's always been great, but the cross gets greater and greater and greater. Jesus gets greater and greater and greater. And because of who Jesus is, we can have hope, even in situations that otherwise would kick the hope right out of us. We can have hope for God to do things in our lives like forgive us of our sins and connect us to him forever because of Jesus. And we can have hope inside of our marriage for us to see things happen and transpire that otherwise would be impossible. There are things that happen and we say, I cannot forgive that. Guess what? In Christ you can. There are things that happen and say, I cannot lead and love and live selflessly like that. Guess what? In Christ you can. I can't stop this pattern of abusive behavior. Guess what? In Christ you can. I can't walk away from that relationship with this person that has caught my eye. Guess what? In Christ you can. I can't leave the addiction to pornography behind. Guess what? In Christ you can. There's hope. But that hope is not found in merely looking at God's standard or merely looking at our ability because there's a gap there, friends, that cannot be bridged by us. But it can be bridged by God. Now, what else? Well, if our ability is worse than we thought and God's call is higher than we know, guess what? His grace is more amazing than we imagined. His grace is more amazing than we imagined. Now, we, we, we see this. I, I, you know, one of the things, and again, when I, I meet with a couple who's getting married, one of the things I'll say, and I've often said this in many weddings, if you've been to a wedding that I've officiated, I'll say something to the effect of this. I'll say, you know, his, um, the greatest present that you'll receive on your wedding is his presence. And it's like, oh, isn't that sweet? A nice little play on words. That's why you say it a lot. No, I say it because I really mean it. There is a gift that God has given to couples who know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and that is the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit that resides within them makes, with, makes things possible in their marriage that would be otherwise impossible. It's found through the work of God. Now, what are some of the, the expressions of this, this gift of the Spirit? What do we know about the Spirit? I want to summarize just several things uh, that have been given to us by the presence of God in our lives that give us hope in any struggle, including struggles in our marriage. The first one I want us to see is this. Our life is defined by Jesus. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Our, our lives are defined and characterized by, by Jesus Christ. If we know him, that gives us a, a character and a quality and a hope. And that's true for you and that's true for your spouse if you know Christ and have trusted in him. Second thing, the spirit lives in our lives. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 13 and 14, when you heard the gospel you be, and when you believed it, the Holy Spirit came into us and sealed us. We have the presence of the Spirit of God inside of us if we have known Christ. Therefore, we have a third option that has been inserted into the equation beyond just our sinfulness, beyond just the sinfulness of our spouse. There is now an engine to empower us to something different. 
And this, this engine is, is powerful. Romans chapter 8, verse 11 talks about the, the fact that resurrection power lives inside of us. It says, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to our mortal, mortal bodies as well through the Spirit who lives inside of us. Friends, how powerful is the Spirit of God? Powerful enough to raise Jesus from the dead after he was killed by professional executioners. And after he lay there for three days. Friends, that same power is at work in your marriage. Guess what that means? He's greater than whatever you're facing. That gives you hope. Next thing that we see, the Spirit has started a work that's in progress and will be completed one day. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. He who began a good work in you will bring it on to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. God has made a commitment to us to grow us and to mature us and to develop us in Christ. That means that you are not today the person you were 10 years ago. If you're trusting in God, the Spirit is doing a work inside of you. And guess what? If your spouse knows Christ, has the Spirit of God inside of them, there's the possibility for change and growth in their life as well because the Lord is at work inside of their lives. Next thing that we see is the Spirit is headed in a direction. It's headed to glory. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 25 talks about how the Spirit is, is headed in a direction and we're invited to keep in step with it. Where is the Spirit headed? The Spirit is headed in the direction of glorifying God, in the direction of an obedient life that is honoring to Him. And, and like a, an engine on the front of a train, we have the opportunity of connecting our lives to that engine to move us in the right direction. Not only that, but the Spirit is given to empower us to overcome. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16 talks about how if we walk by the Spirit, we will in no way gratify the desires of the flesh. In other words, there's hope. There's hope, friends, for God to do in us and in our spouse things that we're not currently doing because the Spirit can empower us in that direction to walk away from the abuse, to walk away from the addiction, to walk away from the inappropriate relationship. To forgive. There's power for that. And lastly, the Spirit produces fruit. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 talks about the fruit of the Spirit being love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Who doesn't want to be married to that? Those fruits are possible and present as somebody is dependent upon the Spirit. It doesn't mean that, that that's all we'll see. We're also sinful people that can make bad choices and have some other fruit in our lives. But if we're connected to Christ, that's the person that we can be married to. The person who's dependent upon the Spirit to produce His fruit. Friends, there's a third option, and it's, it's built out of God's power and not our ideas and our strength. And it's available to us in marriage. So if that's the case, if this is the hope, then what do we do? Well, I want us to, to close by, by looking at uh, an idea. And that idea is this. We've been invited to, to build by faith the marriage that we long for. In other words, God has pr provided so much for us in Christ, but what we do with that is a re receiving that and leaning into that in faith. Marriage is not something that just happens. It's something that God has equipped us for. 
It's something that God is continually providing for. But we still have to take steps of faith each and every day in that process of growth. A number of quotes that talk about this that I want to share. Uh, One of them is by a man named Gary Thomas. He says this, he says, A good marriage isn't something that you find. It's something that you make. And you have to keep on making it. Just as importantly, and herein lies the hope, you can also begin remaking it at any stage. It takes our investment, our walk of faith, leaning into the Spirit of God to do this wonderful work inside of our life and our spouse's life, but we need to take steps of faith consistent with that. Chuck Swindoll said this on his 60-year marriage with his wife, Cynthia. He says, contrary to popular opinion, our more than six decades together haven't been pure bliss. Neither of us is easy to live with. We're together today for two reasons. God's unfaltering grace and our uncompromising commitment. What a great testimony of somebody who's been building into their marriage for years and seeing the Spirit of God complete His work in them. Robert Lewis says this about marriage. He says, The secret to a long marriage is a commitment to serial monogamy to the same person. What Lewis is getting at is, in our lives, we go through many different seasons. And as God continues to grow and develop us, and as our life circumstances continue to change, The person that we're married to is growing and changing as well. And the key to a happy marriage is being willing to make and remake again and again and again in all of those different phases and all of those different stages. The investment of faith to see God work inside of their marriage. See, it takes some effort of faith to lean in to what God is directing us to. Now, with that as kind of a backdrop, uh, what can we do in response? Well, I want us to to mention three things uh, that we can do in response to this, three things that we can can build on in our marriage. The first thing is we need to make sure that we have the foundation. And that foundation is found in Jesus Christ. Even as I'm I'm talking today about this topic and I've got these two lines up there and we talk about God's call and we talk about our ability, that applies in so many areas and in so many ways. And the illustration, the point of the illustration is basically this. There's a gap between God's greatness and us. And that gap has consequences and pain and struggle. But God in Christ has made a way to bridge that gap. And our hope for eternity is found in embracing that gift that he gave to us in Jesus by faith. And our hope in our marriage is having that same foundation as well. And so if you're here today and you want to think about where do I start, start with Christ. Start with his forgiveness and his grace and his hope. The second thing that that I would encourage you with is this. Do your part. Do your part. Be open and willing to lean in in faith in this direction. Now, I say that for two reasons. First of all, I know that in this room there are people who are here and you're thinking, I'm in for this. I, I, I would be interested in God doing this work and God changing me and God doing a work to restore our marriage. I'm interested. I'm leaning in. But my spouse isn't. Here's the thing, just do your part, lean in, trust Christ yourself, walk with him yourself, do what you can in in, in that situation and trust God to do his work in their life as well. Forgive what you need to forgive, 
Trust God to do that renovation of your own soul and of your own life. And pray for your spouse, for God to do that work in their life. But you lean in, insofar as it pertains to you. Keep the unity of the Spirit, the bond of peace, even inside your home. And then the third thing I would say is this. Understand that there's a blueprint for marriage. That blueprint is something that's laid out in Scripture, and, and it requires more time to unpack than we have opportunity to do today. But know this, in, in the month of April, on April 6th and 7th, Wildwood is hosting an event called the Art of Marriage. This, mar- this event is, is not just for those whose marriages are struggling, it's those for, who are married or who are even considering to be married, if you're engaged or something like that, this would be a great event to come to. It's going to be here at Wildwood, Friday night and Saturday. Uh, Kimberly and I will be there. Others will be there as well. And we would love to have you come and, and learn more of God's blueprint for marriage. And maybe to help kind of whet your appetite a little bit for what that event will be like, uh, join me in watching this trailer. I think one of the greatest gifts you can really give to the next generation is faithfulness and fidelity in, in, in marriage. You are ancestors to someone yet to come. Spice <laughs> things up a bit, hey kids? I expect a husband of mine to be more refined. The thrill is gone. I know the feeling. I was exhausted. This is marriage. There is no whining in marriage. Mm, Doesn't it smell fantastic? lost my feelings for you. We were in an argument and I grabbed her as hard as I could and I threw her down on the bed. During my depression, I just uh, did some things that really hurt Tony, hurt him real badly and, and hurt our marriage. Where does marriage always go wrong? It's when I want the right to set the rules by which this relationship would work. You don't have issues. You are the issue, both of you. Our marriage is uh, the central glue as an institution that is holding civilization together. We are responsible then to turn and to forgive others, even when it's horrendous sin. I want to talk to you, but um, I feel a lot better if you put that knife down. You cannot have a successful marriage without the invasion of the supernatural. What the cross promises marriage is fresh starts and new beginnings. Again, we would love to have you join us for the Art of Marriage event, April 6th, 7th. There's information in your bulletin. Um, And this is open to anybody in our community, so feel free to invite them to be a part of it as well. Before we close, let me pray. Father God, thank you for the opportunity to trust you in all things. And thank you for the opportunity to just even see you do in our lives what would otherwise be impossible. 
in our relationships and in our struggles with sin and all of these things, Father, there is so much more that is possible because of Jesus. And Father, we thank you for how you have equipped us with the Spirit to empower us for your life. We pray now that you would help us to be people of faith who receive that gift and who walk forward according to your power and your promise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.
friends, thank you for worshiping with us today. If you'd like somebody to pray with you, there'll be some of us up here at the foot of the cross that would love to pray with you after the service. Or if you're looking to take a next step of connection here at Wildwood, out in our Connection Center on the Gathering Hall, there'll be some people there that can help you take that next step. Thanks for worshiping with us today. Let's go and follow Christ together this week.